This is the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voiceless, a weekly podcast hosted by Chris Milson, a podcast to help break the stigma of mental health and to remind everyone that it is okay to be not okay, and to remind those that they are never alone. Please also note that Chris is not a psychologist or psychiatrist and is speaking from research and experiences. Trigger warning for those for the possible explicit content and language. going on warriors i just wanted to make a quick note um the following podcast with my friend lee uh has some highly sensitive topics and of course uh some controversial opinions but um we had both discussed a lot um there's mentions of suicide mentions of substance abuse and everything else um i just wanted to let you guys know that we had very good dialogue in this podcast um i think It'll open a lot of eyes from another perspective. Um, I think this was one of my favorite podcasts of all time, just because there was a lot of open dialogue between Lee and myself. Some thoughts as we enter the holiday season. It is important to remember that not everyone is surrounded by large, wonderful families. Some of us have problems during the holidays and some sometimes are overcome with great sadness when we remember the loved ones who are not with us. And many people have no one to spend these times with and are besieged by loneliness. We all need caring, loving thoughts right now. Um, If I don't see your name, I'll understand. Um, Whatever friends that do listen to this podcast, if you could share this same message on your Facebooks as well, just to acknowledge uh, and give a moment of support to all those who have family problems, health struggles, job issues, worries of any kind, and just need to know that someone cares. Do it for all of us, for nobody is immune. I hope to see this on some of y'all's wall just for moral support. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. What's going on, Warriors? And welcome to another episode of the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voiceless. I'm your host, Chris. And today I have a special guest with us today. Um, We went to high school together. uh, We graduated together. And pretty much haven't really spoken in about 12 years or so, you know, at least face-to-face. And just a little context for what this podcast is going to be about, I titled today's podcast, Making Peace with Your Past. So when Lee first reached out to me, uh, it was when my brother Santiago passed away last year. You know, he didn't know what went on, you know, he didn't know what happened and everything. And I know we kind of kept in contact since then. Um, and I remember Lee reaching out to me about getting on the podcast. Now, anybody who's listened to my podcast up to now knows that I'm very open-minded. I I try to have as the best dialogue I can have with everybody I have on here. My biggest fear with Lee was, you know, when we were in high school, uh, he gave me a little bit of a hard time. And, you know, I, I remember saying to my therapist and I use the word loosely now, because I had a misperception about it, um, that Lee gave me a hard time in in school, you know, and I was always terrified to have a conversation about it. And I never knew I needed to have a conversation about it until he asked if uh, I wanted him on the podcast. So Lee, thank you again for that conversation, man. And I'm really happy that we could have that, that dialogue about, you know, everything that went on and even more grateful that, we had that conversation to, to clear the air of, you know, any 
any tension that could be here. Absolutely, man. And um, I do want to reiterate for your audience. I know we spoke about it a little bit earlier, but um, it's a perfect example of how you got two people in the same arena participating in the same event with two different perceptions of the situation. Right. I didn't know necessarily what you were going through. I didn't know. I mean, I grew up, you know, boxing gyms and, and fighting and things like that. And my sense of humor is probably ill-mannered, right? But I didn't know that um, what I thought was a sense of humor was also terrorizing somebody else. And, um, yeah, obviously, I, I wish I wish it was better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm glad we oh. Yeah, and, you know, when we, when we spoke on the phone, there was something that you said that really spoke out to me. And it was like, you know, we only knew each other on a surface level. And... Uh, again, just to kind of touch on what you just said of, you know, our perceptions of something being completely different because you and I didn't grow up the same. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's great to be able to get on this podcast and, you know, just talk about one of my biggest passions in life. And, you know, that's mental health. And I'm I'm happy to have you on this podcast today, man. Happy to be here, man. Yeah, the surface level, man, like cause even, even to this day. I've known you probably since I was like what, thirteen years old, but I still don't know a lot about you. I don't know where you're from. Right. I don't know you're, you don't know the same about me. So I hope maybe uh, by the end of this we can clear some of those things up. Yeah, man. And you know, there was there was a comment that I made uh, before we started the recording about you and Santi having the same birthday. And to me, I think that's like that kind of irony that life threw in there was like you know, Santi passed away and maybe you know deep down he knew that this conversation needed to happen so i think sending you out there uh, i don't you know i don't know, know your beliefs but like you know sending you out there in the universe and be like hey maybe uh you know we can rekindle a friendship and you know and talk about mental health and stuff i wouldn't believe that to be true but i do think it's an interesting coincidence and uh i am definitely happy happy about it and, uh yeah hopefully we can uh dig past some demons man and uh talk about some things yeah, man. Uh, so let's let's get started with uh, the first question I had in here for you. Um, so being a man yourself and have had been in the fighting world, what is one of the biggest stigmas that you yourself has had to face? That's difficult, man. I, I, I did feel like that question. Uh, a lot of people here, they don't know me. Right. Um, so to start off. Um, I was born in D.C. Right. Uh, I, I came down to school right before, before I met you. I went to high school with you over in uh in Florida. But you know, I come from a single family household. Um dad wasn't really around, but he put he raised me. My mom did not raise me. My dad wasn't around because he was working all the time. We grew very poor, did not much of anything. And um a a athletics was probably the only way that I imagined myself going anywhere. Right. Uh, especially at a young age. And it does suck that that's where my self-value was, right? Was uh, It was in football, later wrestling, and then and then fighting. And um, I don't know if that's necessarily a stigma, but I don't I don't think anybody gets into fighting because they're secure people. I mean, for some reason, it's like, who wants to get into a cage with another man and get punched in the face, right? <laughs> I, I absolutely have something to prove. I absolutely have something to prove to myself, to my to my father. And, um, and I love my father, but it's just, I, I wanted to be a man in his eyes. So essentially yeah. kind of like seeking that validation that you felt like you didn't grow up with kind of thing. Absolutely. But like I said, um, it, it wasn't his fault, right? I mean, he was a single father doing the best he could to raise me on a very low budget, right? He worked two jobs and uh, he worked very hard and I spent most of my time alone. 
but um, I definitely wanted to make him proud and make something of myself. And for me, my self value is much in athletics. Right. And, and you know, um, I, I always found it crazy that when we were growing up, we all had our ways to, to cope with things, you know, for you, it was athletics for me, it was music and, you know, just kind of seeing where we're at now in our thirties and just seeing how much what we went through helped us to get to now. So I, I think the stigma there is probably, uh, I guess, just finding that self-worth there, you know, uh, proving yourself essentially, not only to yourself, but to your peers around you. So, you know, it, it's, it's cool to see that we had our own survival tools before, you know, uh, therapy or whatever it is that we, we can do now to actually help ourselves. But it's cool to see how we were able to uh, essentially survive up until now. Absolutely, man. And it's crazy. It doesn't go away. Right. Like you right. said, we're not, I'm still looking for things to validate myself and uh, I need challenge. I need to, I need to overcome something every single day. Right. I'm, I'm never happy being content. And um, I don't know if that's just me or if that's you as well, but I'm, I'm never content. I wish I was, I wish I was, I wish I was more of a person like that, but I'm not. And I am grateful for that attitude because I don't get complacent, but at the same time, uh, I wish I was happy with the things I had already. Right. And, and you know, I feel like the biggest thing being a human being, uh, you know, you're, you're always wanting more, right? You're always wanting to add to your resume, uh, you know, make more money, of course, uh, you know, just finding those little pieces of yourself just laying around throughout the universe. So uh, essentially, you just do anything you can to, uh, I guess, chase that happiness and finally, like, have that inner peace within yourself. Yeah. And I guess the way you phrase that, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing either. Yeah, not um, at all. Yeah, because it gives you a purpose, right? I'm not saying you should chase money. I absolutely disagree with chasing money, right? But you have to chase something. And I do uh, think you should chase something more than yourself because, or more than your own pleasures, more than your own happiness. And um, yeah, here's something. About. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think if you want change in your life, you know, obviously we have to be the ones to make that change. You know, we have to make things happen, success or whatever it is you're looking for in your life doesn't just come to us, right? It's just, you have to put the plan in play and you have to start it to get the ball rolling. Yeah. And um, if you ever want to be successful after you get the ball in play, it's, uh, it's never going to be easy. Right. And I don't necessarily know many of your viewers, right. I don't, but I imagine if they're listening to this, they suffer from some, some type of mental health issue. Correct. I mean, I think we all do, but those are the ones who are at least aware of it enough to listen to this podcast. And I would, if, if they're upset that they're not happy, I would say uh, that they're probably never going to be happy. And that's okay. That's okay. It's okay not to be happy, right? But uh, you have to be living for more something more than your own happiness. For me, for me, what I found, um, it's my God, right? I mean, I, uh, I'm i a Christian, and uh, but also, and after that, it'd be my son, right? I mean, every day I wake up, it's not for myself. Right. It's not for, my, not for my own pleasures. I wake up every day and I, I want to please God. I want to live an honorable and honest life. And then after that, it's uh, it's my son. I want to provide for him. I want to be I want to be the man that I would want him to be, or at least try, right, to give him a good example, a good template for himself. Right. But and, and you know, um, with 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 us ha knowing uh, pretty much a, a lot of the same people, were you close with Santi at all? Like, did you ever like go to church with him or anything, or just you know like ever? talk about being a father or anything because i know he was always big on like always giving advice and you know, that man's always giving yeah advice. 
I, I definitely remember uh, having religious conversations with Santi. But for myself, I didn't really find God until probably about five years ago, right? So I didn't grow up the same way. But I do remember him always talking about God, but um, at a young age, I was I was not there yet. Um, I was not there until after I had my son. And like I said, living for something better than myself, I was very much a heathen before I had my son. <laughs> and uh, But uh, I woke up one day and I said, hey, what I want my son to be when he grows up, I want him to be uh, a God-fearing man. But I didn't want to be a do as I say, parent not as I do. So I thought, hey, well, I have to start understanding what the Bible means. I have to start understanding these things. And I'm not trying to take your podcast for which no, podcast. No, no, no. Keep going. Man. A lot of my self-worth is in that, is in that, um, uh, that that is my purpose. And, but it was made, it was made because of my son, because I wanted my son to be the same way, right? It wasn't for myself. Because honestly, if it wasn't for my son, I don't know if uh, I would put in the sacrifices that it took, but I sacrifice everything I can. Uh, to give him a better life and to be a better example for him. But back to your original question with Santi. Um, last time I talked to Santi was uh, probably uh, three years ago, and I think it was more about fatherhood. And I always, I always appreciate Santi. We weren't really close friends. We hung out outside of school, but I remember we sat next to each other in a couple of classes. And uh, even just like with you, I reached out to you on Facebook every now and then because, like I said, man, like I, I like you. Hard as maybe to believe, man. Um, I guess I just showed it in a very weird way, but no, um, I like Santi, um, but I won't, I was very, I was very surprised when he passed and that was very tragic, especially being a father and knowing what he's leaving. Yeah. Um, I, I always found that interesting, you know, cause obviously of course, I think you're breaking up a little bit. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Let me make sure my, the Wi-Fi connection is good. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Are right, we good? Are right, good? Cool. Yeah. I, I can't really hear you yet. Um, let's make sure we're still good. We're here. We're good. Oh, yeah. All go right. ahead. We're on like ten seconds. <laughs> okay. Um. So basically, uh, you know, I always found it incredible how. Uh, Santi lived his life, you know, through the Bible and, and through his religion as well. And, you know, just to kind of uh, piggyback off of that, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with having that belief system, right? There's, you know, got to have that guideline or some, uh, some sort of principles to, I guess, give you some sort of guidance, you know, whether it's uh Christian, Catholic, you know, whatever it is, it's, there's nothing wrong with that belief system. And for me, uh, I wouldn't say I, I dip too much in the religious aspect. Um, and Santi always uh, appreciated that. And, you know, he's always like, you know, God bless you. And just always would share his lessons and everything. So it's, it's always incredible to hear everybody's perspective on religion. Like, you know, you want your son to be, uh, you said a, a God, God fared man, right? Yeah, God fearing. Yes, sir. God fearing. Okay. Um, and you know, there's, you know, like I said, there's nothing wrong with having those principles. And I, I always appreciate hearing people's different perspectives when it comes to that kind of stuff. No, absolutely. Um, but I knew, I know you're close with them and uh, I'm sorry about that. And, you know, I know I don't want to talk about you too much on the podcast, but obviously your audience already knows you, but the, well, the mental health struggles that you've been through, um, I do remember a few years ago, it, it, it seemed like you're in a dark place and it seems like you're better now. If you don't mind me asking for the purpose of conversation and maybe people don't already know you, like, how did you get here? 
So basically, um, and you know, for all my viewers, if you don't know this, um, I, I love sharing my story and, you know, whoever it can help, I'm more than happy to share. Um, so around 2018, I was living in Jersey and, you know, things were just kind of falling apart, uh, living with my mom, you know, it just, it wasn't a healthy environment. It was very toxic. And I remember writing a suicide note on Facebook. And I know when people are first going to hear that, it's like, oh, well, that just sounds like you are seeking attention. I, I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've heard that sentence said to me. So after I wrote it, I remember reading it back and I deleted it almost immediately. Two people reached out to me, one of them being my tattoo artist, believe it or not, and Santiago. Santi reached out to me. He's like, hey, man, uh, I know we haven't talked since we graduated high school. And I saw your post and saw you took it down and everything. And I just want you to know that I, I care about you. And, you know, I don't want to see anything happen to you. And I'm here if you need to talk. So I spoke on the phone for about an hour or so. And probably one of the most life-changing conversations of my life was with Santi. And I, I remember seeking a therapist when I was in Jersey. And the that therapy session was only like three months because I ended up moving back to Florida. Um, came back to Florida, me and Santi became super close. You know, we uh, I would go over to his house for family events because he knows my family was unstable. And when I first created this, uh, the mental health group on Facebook, he was one of the first supporters. And I remember after he passed away and how I felt, you know, I was just like, you know, I have to do something to, to get through this grief, to get through this pain. And the group started blowing up. And I think we're almost to, to 1600 members now. And then I started this podcast in January and just remember everything just coming together and being able to openly talk about Santi's passing and uh, bringing George on here and him being vulnerable on my podcast was volumes, you know, for any grown man. I mean, I, I know you know this as a man, how society looks at you and me uh, when it comes to like emotions or feelings like, oh my God, he's a grown ass man. He's crying, you know, whatever. And stay away from that kind of thing. And having George on my podcast and being as vulnerable as he could about that podcast with Santi meant everything to me. So, you know, fast forward to our podcast now, you know, I, I wanted more than anything for this to, to go as smoothly as possible before we started recording. And I'm glad it did, you know. Absolutely, man. And obviously suicide is something that's very touchy, right? Um, you don't want to offend anybody with it, but <sighs> Man, it's tough. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry you went through that, man. Um, you know, I know you know what I do now, but obviously we spoke before that. There yeah. are some aspects to my job, and it's not it's not difficult to find something crazy, right? But I do prefer not to talk about it. Yeah. Also, I have pain of my own. I don't want to represent any other entities by any means. But like when it comes to like suicide, I mean, um, yeah, I've I've seen death, um, very closely. I mean, both naturally and and violently, and. It's, it's tough, man, because there's, there's nothing there's nothing poetic about it, right? I mean, sometimes, even I'm sure you know, experiencing how close you were to Santi and his loss, something about death, and there's no coming back from it. Right. And not in this world. I mean, there's, there's it's permanent, right? There's there's nothing else like it. There's, there's no way to fix it, right? And 
even if you think, hey, maybe maybe I'll kill myself to make a point, right? Maybe to make them pay, you're, you're not going to be around to see it. And um, I, I mean, I, I would want somebody to hear that, man. Like, the, I mean, also as a father, right? As a father, I mean, there's times I've been very sad, but I mean, the thought of the thought of killing myself, not being there for my son. Like I said, when you, when you live for something besides yourself, um, that would be absolutely selfish. Yeah. I mean, right? And that that is that is why you don't live for yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you get you get to find. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you're you're going through therapy now. I'm sure you figure you're figuring it out. Um, but I definitely don't think uh, that would be the answer. Obviously, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, the the conversation of suicide for a really long time was hard to openly speak on. You know, it was just kind of like. I felt like I was a victim of my demons and this and that. And then when I look at it now, when I look about uh, look at who I was in 2018 versus who I am now, I'm a survivor from that person. You know, I'm a survivor from those demons that try to take me away. When suicide happens, when, you know, whoever it is, whether it's a celebrity, whether it's a close friend, whether it's a family member, when suicide happens, speaking on a mental health advocate's perspective i understand why it happens and it shouldn't happen you know the the suicide rate for kids alone is way higher than it should be you know and being in the field that you're in you know that we we spoke on um i'm sure you you've seen more things than you would care to want to even try and remember and hearing you know kids take their life and hearing how society looks at it, it's like oh man it's just another news post to share you know it's just another hashtag for a month and blah 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 and for me uh being in a uh, doing a podcast trying to speak to as many people as i can man more than anything in the world i wish that i can get this message out to the entire world you know it's not just another hashtagable month it's not just another uh you know mental health awareness week it's something that should be acknowledged every single day suicide is something that people look at they react they move on and that's how society is you know especially with social media and uh, i know you don't have you don't have facebook like actually installed right the actual app i have i'm not really on it yeah no I, i don't blame you one bit but, you know, it's social media has created this whole wall where it's just like, how many likes can I get? You know, uh, somebody gets married or somebody's nine months sober gets two likes versus somebody who's posting a picture of their ass in a bikini gets 400 likes. You know what I mean? Like society's priorities are, are so messed up, especially with social media, man. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But honestly, I don't think it's going to change. Right. I mean, if we're for. Right. I don't think it's going to change. So, I mean, as a, if you are a person suffering from mental health, I think you have to learn to deal with that. I mean, that's not where you should be looking for validation, right? Like and things like that. If you're looking for somebody that cares, I mean, it's sad, but I mean, you have to go out and have a general conversation with somebody, right? Um, find people to reach out to who do care about you. And um, I'm happy that you, I'm happy that you found that. It sounds like you did in Santiago, right? Um, but then obviously tragedy can always happen anytime and um, the darkness can come back. Yeah. And it's a, it's a never-ending fight, and I'm I'm happy that you're still in it. Yeah, 
Um, so to the next uh, question I had, um, I know you mentioned to me that you're a kickboxing champion, right? What what kind of preparations did you have to go through to to be, I guess, mentally strong in that kind of world? Because I can't even imagine. Bro, um, <laughs> it's difficult, man. Um, honestly, it's, it's my entire life. Like I said, um, I don't think any person is going to get into a ring, a cage, or uh, anything with another man who's trained to basically kill you and not have some type of insecure to overcome. I grew up, I was very insecure, man. I was very insecure, right? I, I needed to prove myself. I needed to be a man, you know what I mean? And uh, fighting was my way. And you know, to be honest, I mean, it was, I'm not, what was me? I, I, I genuinely enjoyed uh, the skill and the art that I found in fighting. But uh, to prepare for a fight, you really don't. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's, you're nervous, man. Um, you're, I'm, I remember sitting in the back uh, hoping that I don't get knocked out in front of my friends. <laughs> Think about the embarrassment that would be. Uh, thankfully, that never happened. Um, I did win uh, the ISKA championship uh, a few years back before I finally just gave it up because it just uh, there wasn't a lot of money in it, to be honest. Right. And it, 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 it was a lot. It was a lot, but I learned a lot about myself. Um, as a young man, I learned a lot about myself uh, in, in that ring. I think uh, even the last time I fought, I actually, I broke my, I, I fractured my leg in the middle of the, in the, the first round. Uh, he, she checked one of my kicks. I fractured it. I remember feeling it kind of crack a little bit. I mean, I, I didn't know what it was. It hurt, but I finished, right? And you learn a lot about yourself in, in, in those moments. Yeah. I finished up third. I ended up uh, coming out of that fight victoriously. It wouldn't matter if I did it. At the end of the day, the fact that you know, over, overcoming adversity. It's definitely a learned skill. And I, I definitely think that makes me a stronger person today, both mentally and physically. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think it's also important that uh, when you do something like that, you finally start learning your limitations on, you know, how much you can push your body, you know. <laughs> and, you know, like you said, you fractured your leg, man. I just, oh, I remember when I tried doing wrestling school um, and I tore my shoulder. And I was in a sling for like six weeks, you know, on Percocet and all that stuff. And I just remember, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have been doing this and maybe I should have been better prepared or whatever. But like you said, nobody prepares to get hit in the face, right? Yeah. And, and it's, it's crazy that you mentioned, it's actually it's pretty crazy you mentioned uh, the normal limitation of our body. Because I was thinking about this this week because I'm doing a new workout program and there's some of the sets on there. I don't know if you did a workout program before, but it says max. So basically do as many reps as you can in one set and i refuse to do that because i'm i'm too arrogant and i have too much of an ego to believe that i have a max or that i have a limit right uh, because for me to, to accept that i cannot go any further is uh, it, it, it's weird man i can't accept it so i have to put a set number in my head i can't do those sets <laughs> like oh there's only an 800 pound limit oh yeah bet let me bring 200 more pounds in here oh, man, no it's, it's absolutely ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous <laughs> I'm sure they love you at uh, uh, Planet Fitness. You just bring in your whole weight set. I'm like, screw you guys. I'm doing my own thing. I'm not allowed that place, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta hear this story. Why? Why can't? Why aren't you allowed in there? It's not a story. I'm, I'm not banned or anything. I just uh, I don't think the way I work out uh, is uh, coexists with the the brand that they have. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> we can only imagine. <laughs> 
You just take all the weights off the other machines. This isn't enough. I was screaming, you know what I mean? I was slamming. <laughs> I can I can only imagine the manager just coming, what's going on here? There are no more weights in the entire gym. I'm done. Get this yeah. guy. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you were a father. Um, as a father, I'm more than certain that it comes with its challenges. Do you feel there's a stigma in being a parent and how you are supposed to be a parent? I was supposed to be a parent. I mean, I guess it's been two hours, right? Um, and the penalty has like a very in many ways, but I definitely think there's a standard to being a parent. I have my standard, as you know, it's based off the Bible, right? But everybody has their own standard, their own stigma. Um, but it's it's difficult. It, 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 it's very hard, and there's, there's a lot of pressure behind it. I know. Uh, I don't think you have kids, right, Chris? Nope. Yeah. So I already had my had my my son. I have one son. I had him. When I was about 22, 23 years old, I was young, right? I was, uh, I just, I was just starting uh, the job I'm in now, and I remember getting a picture. Uh, I was in the front row of a training class. I got a picture of a pregnancy test, <laughs> and uh, everything's history after that. But I'm, I, I was grateful for it because it absolutely changed my life in a way that it needed to be changed. But I, I didn't grow up with siblings. I didn't grow up with little brothers or anything like that. So my son was the first diaper I ever changed. I remember being in the hospital with him. And I remember thinking, wow, this is a lot more than I thought it would be. Right? And, and it is very difficult. And I don't see actually in the room right now. But um, as far as the stigma goes, what stigma do you, are you uh, actually describing? So, okay. So you mentioned that you were, you were 22, 23, you said when you had your son? Yeah. So I guess the, the stigma there would be like, you know, oh, you're a young parent kind of thing. Like, w- did you ever experience that? Like, oh, you're having kids this this young or what are you going to do kind of thing? Like, I've, I know I've heard that from so many people's parents that ha- that their children had kids too young or whatever. So and I, 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 definitely, I definitely experienced that, man. Um, something that is great from uh, what I've done in my past and what I've done in my athletic background was that I was, uh, I was used to being ridiculed. <laughs> You know what I mean? On a public stage, yeah. I was used to uh, saying, you know, what you is not good enough, or you do whatever. And I, I learned to accept that and not, and not worry about that too much. But I, de- I definitely experienced that. And, you know, just even because I was, just, my, my, son's, my son's mother is still in his life, but uh, we were separated. So I want, I want to use the term single father very precisely. I mean, we're, we co parent. And, but, so I, wouldn't, I don't want to think that. His mother's not around because yeah. she is, and she's a good mother. But you know, just be, being a single father, um, what was difficult, right? You being out in public with him alone and things like that, and people, people want like wondering what happened, right? right. And it, it, it wasn't easy, and but in the end, it, it was worth it because I do have my son from it, and I'm, I'm happy for that. And you can look at it, you can look at the stigmas of anything, and you can be upset about anything. You can take the negative turn with anything right but at the end of the day typically those things make you stronger yeah um so walk me through the the co-parenting thing like is there any challenges for you personally uh for co-parenting because i know some people have a really good experience with it and i know you said she's a good mom so that's already like miles high a, a positive so like are there any challenges for you doing what you do for for that co-parenting I'm actually, I'm really grateful, man, because uh, I don't have a baby mama or a child's mother who tries would try to take my son away from me or anything like that, and nor would I ever try to take her son away from her. 
And I would ima- I would imagine that everybody listening to this, I can't imagine everybody in the same situation as I am, right? Some because there are some very spiteful people in this world, whether it be fathers or mothers, who you know might might try to take the child away. And I can't even speak to the challenge. Honestly, it's probably as, as good as it, as, as it can be. Um, we both want the best for our son, not ourselves, right? We both don't let jealousy or pride or ego get in the way. And I would suggest that for anybody who's going through, the, through this problem as well, because the child first, right? Yeah, absolutely. If, if I have a whole theme to any of this, to anything I'm saying, is that nothing you do should be for yourself. Yeah. Nothing, right? Nothing issue. I mean, everything should be for weird. Everything you do should be for a great purpose, right? And then the situation, it, it is my son. Right, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let jealousy or pride or ego stop him from experiencing uh, the love of a mother, and I respect her enough to understand her enough to think that she wouldn't do the same to me. You know, it's it's really, I think it's really important that you noted uh, about people being spiteful when they're parents, and you know, like I see people posting about their baby daddy, their baby mama all the time on Facebook, be like, oh well, she's this or he's that, and it's just like. I wish more people were more civil when it came to their kids. Cause I grew up in a broken home myself. You know, my parents divorced very young. Uh, I think it was eight when they divorced. And I remember when it first happened and I, I reacted in a way I can't really explain. I, I know it kind of went off the deep end when I was eight, but like, I couldn't imagine social media being around then. Like, you know, yeah. MySpace or Facebook, because Social media has made parenting, I, I feel like for many couples, so bad because it's just like, oh, well, you like this person's photo or you, I saw the status you made about me or you're throwing shade, blah, blah, blah. And I, I just, what what advice would you give those people that I guess put, put their dirty laundry on social media? If you can't handle social media, get off of it. Yeah, I mean, like you see me, I don't, I don't post a lot. It's not just like I can't handle it. It's just... I don't spend my time with it. I mean, it's a bunch of people in their fake facade lifestyles and you're, you're never going to meet their standards, right? And everything you post probably isn't true, right? And then uh, for you to go to the person, the mother of your child or the father of your child to make them look bad in a permanent way, right? Where people can view that and see that forever. Maybe your child, maybe later in life, they get Facebook, they see the old posting made about their parent. That's just, in my opinion, that's not the way it should be done. Um, that's not the way you work through problems. That's not the way you talk to people. That's not the way you communicate in any way, shape, or form. And it makes nothing better. Right. Um, that would be the advice I would give. Is if you cannot handle it, just get off it. I guarantee your, it's like your life will be more peaceful. Right. I completely agree. I, I think some people are just so uh, deep into social media that they can't see beyond that screen. Like, I, I can't even tell you how many people... I hang out with that just stare at their screen all the time and you're trying to have a conversation with them. And it's just like, dude, do I, do I got to like tweet you something for you to hear me? You know what I mean? Like, ugh. um, so to follow up uh, with that question, what is the most important lesson that you teach to your son from your own experiences? There is ever that live, do not live for yourself. Right. Sometimes he'll come and say he's bored, whatever. Right. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Right? Like, your purpose right now, the thing you're doing, if you're reading, if you're bored, that's fine. I don't, it doesn't, I don't care if you're bored. My, my job is to make you better. Your job is to be a better person, right? And later you can pass on to somebody else. And I teach them not to chase happiness, 
to not not chase happiness, to chase what's honorable, to chase what is true, right? And um, and that's it. But what what is, what is honorable? What is true? Your happiness doesn't really matter in in, in that equation. If you could, uh, we could all find pleasures and vices outside of that that will make us happy for a moment, bring us gratification, but that does not serve us, right? And uh, I don't think there's any really, even if you do chase happiness, I don't think there's anything really true about it. I mean, it is a fact that if you were to do a line of cocaine right now, you would be happy, right? I mean, it would release the hormone in your head, release the dopamine in your mind, and it makes you literally happy. When you wake up the next day, you're probably not so happy, right? You're probably in a, a, a long line of regret and everything else. So I think don't chase happiness. Chase what is honorable, what is true. In the end, you will be happy. Or at least you'll be satisfied with the man that you become. That's powerful. I, I like that a lot. Um, do you feel there is a stigma behind uh, men's mental health? Like, what does it mean to you that society has finally started coming around to acknowledging that men go through struggles too? So I guess it's kind of a two-parter question. I think I think my opinion would be a little bit different. Um, there's a stigma behind mental health that I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you because obviously you're you're a professional on this. You, you tell me. Well, what is the stigma behind men's mental health? So kind of like what we were talking about before we started uh, started this podcast was you know just kind of like men can't cry. Men men are supposed to feel what they're feeling inside. You know we're supposed to internalize it. We're supposed to take all the bruises and not speak out to what we're feeling. So I guess. Do you think, do you see that for yourself too? Like, do you ever get to that point where you want to feel some certain way, but you're around certain people and you know, you can't feel that way or, you know, just anything, I guess, along those lines. You know, I think my opinion may be a, diff- a little bit different than yours. I mean, you know, what I man, go, go for it. I was a fighter and you know what I do now. And, you know, I've had very, very close friends to me uh, killed. Right. And, um, Something I learned from that is that you still have to keep going, right? You still have to keep moving forward, and even yeah, you you, you still have to keep going forward. And there, there there's there's a time to cope, right? There's a time to mourn, but there's also a time to control it, right? I mean, I gave you that I gave you the example of you know me breaking my leg in a fight and uh, continuing the fight and you know, coming out winning. That never would have happened if I would have uh, broke down, which. What would be, it'd be reasonable, right? I have, have a broken leg in the middle of a fight with a man trying to kill me. I mean, that'd be reasonable, but <clears throat> I do think as a man, you should learn to control it. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's wrong to cry. I think that, I think there's a time and a place for it. Um, I do think um, you should find people you can trust and a circle that you can trust and friends that you can trust to do that with. I would not expose myself to the world because the world is very treacherous as you've seen, right? I mean, because even though with that statement, people will still come down to you and that's gonna make you feel any better. Right, so there's, there's no benefit to that. So find the people that you love, the people that you trust, and keep that circle tight and keep that circle close, and then yeah, do it there, right? But um, yeah, it's a balance, right? But anything's balanced. Anything's balanced. Should we be open with our feelings with anybody? Absolutely not, because you can't trust everybody, right? You can't, you can't, you can't trust everybody. And people, they want to see you fail. They want to see you bad, and you're going to give them the satisfaction of that, give them something to talk about, but. Um, there's a time to control it and then there's a time to do it. And like I said, I do think it should be done in close quarters. You know, it's, I really appreciate the fact that you mentioned the, the balance comment and also 
keeping that tight circle because like you said uh expo or being vulnerable with the world around you could be both positive but then you have that large group of people that will look for the dagger you know look where to stick the dagger next and use that against you so it's interesting you say time and place because at first I was just kind of like okay we're we're on the different sides of the spectrum here when it comes to that but then you reiterated with the uh, keeping that close tight circle and it started making a lot more sense when you when you were explaining it so I, I definitely agree the time and place thing is, is uh, a big one uh, simply because you know you can't trust everybody that you tell everything to you know I, I there's there's a lot of things I wouldn't tell people I've known for 20 years uh, that I tell somebody that's in my very close circle you know and that's just I feel like you said having that balance uh, is super important and it, it helps you keep a, a sane mind and and uh, I guess uh, inner peace within yourself to not let the world know what you're going through all the time kind of like social media it doesn't need to be all out there absolutely and something specific with men right i mean i have a family and you know um, they look up to me and they look for me to make the right decisions right and if i told them everything that was going on in my mind every doubt i had about myself every insecurity i had about myself because i have many i don't uh i don't i don't think it would benefit them you know what i mean and uh, as I, I do think as like, especially like a father, right? I'm not gonna go to my son and say, hey, daddy has no idea what he's doing right now, right? I just hope that, um, I just hope that, I, I hope that I do the right thing and that in the end, um, I did my best, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, that's the biggest thing we can do is our best. You know, a lot of people underestimate that phrase when it's just like, do your best. Like, oh, what does that mean? People tell me that all the time. I don't know what do your best means. I'm like, dude, you what you're doing right now is what you're supposed to be doing you know as long as you're not causing harm to anybody you're exactly where you need to be in life right now sometimes we feel stuck sometimes we feel like we're not contributing enough right and that was one of the uh strong points i tried to make in my last podcast about you know social norms and um, expectations around us like we're always supposed to be go 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 you know we can never i guess practice self-care and take care of ourselves we have to make sure that everybody else around us is happy and you know all that nonsense that society tells you you're supposed to do you know so it's the same question like, where are you with that where do you think uh where do, where, where do you think it's do you agree with what i said or are you somewhere else with that yeah no i like i said when you when you got to to the end of your explanation it made a hundred percent more sense than uh when it started out just because i thought we were going to be standing on different parts of the the conversation but once you started explaining it you know i'm right in the middle with you i i completely agree with you like if i had kids i would tell them you know it's okay to express how you're feeling you know and like you said keeping that balance and not just sharing it with random people or posting all your your i guess your dirty laundry all over social media you know because not everybody needs to know every single thing that you're going through you know we there's people you can trust like you said uh in your inner circle uh you know and of course there's those mental health resources as well that can help with that too absolutely I'm, just, I'm glad that's clear now yeah yeah no we're good <laughs> um so i guess after after we graduated high school did you ever feel there was this pressure or expectation 
for you to go to college or for you to immediately jump into uh, a career path? Like, did you have that over your head when you graduate, when we graduated? Oh, well, like I told you, um, I, I grew up in a very poverty state, right? Mm-hmm. My dad worked very hard to provide for just me as a single father. So when I was 18, uh, I went away for some time, right? And I ended up coming back. And when I came back, I, um, I definitely felt I needed a job, right? And I, I don't think I don't think it's wrong to feel that way. Not at uh, all. As a young man out of school, you should feel pressure to do what young men do, and that's provide, right? Or uh, in my opinion, what we, we, young, we young men should do. I mean, you need to get out to the, the workforce and try to make your way and make a living. And I absolutely 100% felt that pressure. I moved out when I was 18, um, and I really haven't been back since. Uh, for visiting purposes, obviously, but there's times where it was very hard. It was very hard. My dad was very loving, and by no means he kicked me out. But I definitely felt the pressure to be away from home because I wanted to be my own man. I remember I had a friend that took me in. I was sleeping on the floor for about a year of my life while I was still fighting and things like that because there wasn't there wasn't any, there wasn't any money in it for me. And uh, yeah, and by the end of the day, I'm I'm grateful for I'm grateful for that because it makes what I have now what I am now. It just feels so much better. You know, it's it's very interesting to see how different it was for us when we graduated compared to like classes after us, like five years after us, where these kids just, I guess you don't really see them want to put in hard work. You know, they want to have things given to them. Obviously not all of them, but you see that generational difference between, you know, the people that were in our graduating class and then people that followed after us, it's just kind of like we were told to that we're supposed to do ABC and they're just they want the end of the train already. They want that money now. And I don't know. I just I always found it funny to see how how different me and my brother uh, were when we graduated high school, because he is 26 now. Yeah, he's 26 now. And him and I just have different perceptions of life. You know, I, I've been working since I was 19. So it's just kind of one of those things where we grew up in that time where it's just like, you need to go out into the world. You need to experience the world. You know, you can stay at home, but you need to work. So it's always interesting just to hear uh, a different perspective from other people. Yeah, I don't necessarily, um, I don't know too much about the people after me, right? Uh, so I won't speak to that too much. But I think our predecessors probably would have said the same about us. Right? <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but then also, I mean, I, I can tell you this, so, something is new. I don't want to say social media is toxic, right? There's definitely a benefit to it. The fact that I can still connect with you uh, 12 years later when 20 years ago, this never would have happened, right? Yeah, I mean, never would have heard from you again, thought you saw me again, whatever, right? So I mean, there's definitely a benefit to it. But I was talking to this young man the other day and I asked him, hey, like, what do you want to be? Like, what are you trying to do with your life? Because you have to do something. And he told me that he wants to be a social media influencer. I'm just like, yeah, I, as a man, I don't think that's the place to find your value, right? I mean, if you already have things going for you, absolutely. Absolutely, man. If people are just liking your post and you're getting paid from it, I mean, who am I to argue with that? But to go and chase that, to me, that's not very, uh, it's not very validating. I don't see any, uh, I don't see any opportunities for anything in there, right? As far as you, you can get money, but then the day is, is money the only thing that drives you, right? Do you want some type of purpose, some type of gratification, some type of fulfillment? I don't think you can get your, that calling yourself a social media influencer. And to hear the confidence that he said in it, 
right? Here's a confidence set, and it was disappointing. Right. Because, you know, and it's interesting you made the fulfillment uh, uh, com- or comment because I I see my brother, he was doing the Twitch thing for a little while. He got affiliated and stuff, and I guess he finally just started realizing that, like you said, there's there's not a ton of money in there unless you're set up to make that money. You know, like you got to put in years for for anything to happen for you doing that kind of stuff. And being a social media influencer, you know, isn't bad if you have a foundation to stand on. You know, like if I were to keep working, doing the job that I'm doing and want to get paid for doing this podcast thing, I could do it because I have that foundation to stand on and my lights stay on. You know, I'm not going to rely on uh, people that I don't know to follow uh, you know, my gaming journey or whatever the hell some, somebody's doing on the social media uh, influencing career path. But I just, I don't know, man. I, I wish that the generation after us just kind of saw there was more, there's more value in going out there into society. And, and I guess uh, not, not necessarily physical labor, but I guess being around other people and, and actually working, like actually doing jobs that you can feel fulfilled and helping people or i guess just making uh creating that foundation for you to stand on your own two feet no even physical labor like my uh my financial situation uh, i do we do we do pretty well right but my son he's probably right he's probably set but then the day i would uh i want him to something physical I want him to. Be, I would love for him to be a mechanic. I would love for him to um, do some type of uh, construction or anything, right? Do a lot of work with his hands. I definitely think there's a fulfillment in building something from beginning to end. I think there's some uh, fulfilling about doing something with your hands and creating things, right? And the fact that you said physical, I absolutely agree that 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 is that is the way to go for for a young man. I'm not. That's not, that's not the only way to go, but. Yeah. What I what I would want for my son, I would be absolutely happy if he were to do that. Right, like like you said, the the fulfillment of building something from beginning to end, like that's gratifying. I feel like if you want to feel any kind of like fulfillment, you know, it doesn't have to be construction, it doesn't have to be a mechanic. Like it could be anything in that physical labor kind of thing. Like you know, when we were going to school, FCAT was something that prevented me from doing anything. You know, I, I was know. in. I was in intensive reading from seventh grade all the way to to senior year. Really? Yeah, I couldn't do any electives because of that. So I couldn't go to uh, Marchman to do any any kind of like trade classes or anything like that. Like I struggled a lot in high school. High school sucked. Um, But you know, it's it's not about uh, living in that past it's what you do with all the things that you went through so yeah it sucks that i I was put in this position the position i was in in school but i wouldn't take anything back because of where i'm at now you know i'm very very proud of everything that i've accomplished no i didn't didn't know that what is your what is your opinion of like uh that went away did it not yeah fcat i think went away after we graduated the year after we graduated Man, it's crazy to hear terms like that, man. It's been so long. So you want to hear something funny is uh, in junior year, I took the SAT and passed it with flying colors. I couldn't pass the FCAT since seventh grade. Like, uh, yeah, I 
hated the FCAT more than anything in the world. I think um, that is. Huh? Why do you think that is? What? Uh, I don't know. I feel like the SAT kind of uh, was all relevant material is probably why I passed it. I mean, I feel like the FCAT just kind of threw everything together with stuff you may or may not have uh, learned. But, you know, I just, I don't know, man. I, I always struggled with tests growing up, so that didn't help either. Yeah. yeah. I'm not against testing. Like, I think the end of the year testing, because I know you asked me how I felt about that. So I'm on the fence with it, man. I feel like it, there's nothing wrong with taking those tests. I just don't think it should prevent kids from chasing something that they're passionate about. Cause yeah. that's exactly what it did to me. I mean, if, um, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that, honestly, but my son, I don't know if the standardized test still exists. Right. But if they do, I mean, I, I do believe in standards. I will say that I do believe in, uh, um, not lowering a standard, just, uh, fit things cause it wouldn't be a standard. Right. But also I do understand that not everybody's the same person. Right. And some people do, some people are very intelligent and they still can't get past these things. So, I don't know, man. There's no right answer for all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel there's people that are book smart and there's people that are street smart. I think there's more of a benefit being street smart than there is being book smart sometimes. And I only say that because, you know, we, we see some of these kids go to, to school for eight years, never working a day in their life. And when they get out of college, she's like, oh, I want this job because I have this piece of paper here. And Absolutely. When, um, when I talk, when I think about, when I reflect on school, when I reflect on school, right? I'm not speaking for everybody, but it's basically how well do you remember things? Yeah. And that's not, remember things as intelligence. I mean, I'm sure it's a part of intelligence, but that's not intelligence, right? That's not problem solving. That's not working through things. It's not creating things. Um, it's just how well do you remember this? And can you regurgitate it when test day comes? Right. And I just feel that when we were in high school, you know, anxiety and all that stuff wasn't an acknowledged thing. Like, you know, we, for me at least, always felt, you know, there was something off about me that I never really could pinpoint anything. Like, you know, uh, I know I had depression from when I was eight years old to now. And, you know, that's not something that goes away. It carries over, you know, Um Anxiety was a term that I probably didn't start hearing uh, maybe when I was like 21, 22, something around that. I, I never heard that term until around then, or at least it was never, I guess, brought to my attention what it was. And I remember when I had my first anxiety attack and it was one of the worst feelings I've ever had in my life. My mom has been taking Xanax since she was like 16 years old. And I'm very against pills. You know, I, I don't agree with pills. I'm going to ask you that. I'm going to ask you how you feel about medication as far as anxiety. If, if it's absolutely needed, because I know there's people that have that chemical imbalance, right? Yes. I feel if therapy or any other kind of treatment can't help that person, then sure, I would consider, you know, take this medication, but a very low dosage of it. My mom has taken Xanax her entire life. If she doesn't take it for like a day, she has nonstop panic attacks. And Xanax is something I will never touch. Like I had a half of one one time. I will never touch that shit ever again. Awful. If you feel about me asking, because like um, all this stuff's a little bit foreign to me. But during the question, like, uh, how does how does therapy help you 
Oh, this is this is actually a really good question. So therapy provided me that that safe place to be able to share whatever demons I've had uh, in my soul since I was a kid. You know, I've been exposed to to sexual things when I was very young. I was exposed to uh, different forms of abuse that I was never able to speak out about. When I found my therapist that I have now, she has helped me celebrate holidays again. And, and I know this is going to sound weird, but I had I struggled celebrating holidays forever because of both working for Publix and having a basically unstable family around the holiday season. So I, I hated Christmas. I hated Thanksgiving because I just didn't really care for my family. Um, not to say that those feelings have gone away about my, my blood relatives because they're a lot of them are pretty toxic. Um, but, you know, I remember when I first bought this apartment two years ago, put up my first tree. I hated, I hated the sight of a Christmas tree. Like I was very weird with holidays. Like, you know, Oh, well, I hope you have a good Christmas. I'm like, Oh, well, I can't wait till it's over. And that was my mentality. Um, and fast forward past the holiday stuff. I was able to pinpoint what triggers that I had, in the back of my head, what things would set me off. Um, and when, when I was able to identify those triggers, I was able to heal from those things. Like, like my conversations with my mom. Um, I try my best to not talk to her because we have a very unhealthy relationship and she's a very toxic human being, but I've learned how to put up boundaries for myself. I, I've learned to cut uh cut people out of my life when when needed and it just overall helped me communicate uh you know just anything that goes on in my head you know if it wasn't for therapy i don't think this podcast would have been possible so essentially it gives you what you said a safe place to talk right is that it a safe place to talk a safe place to talk and it helped me find myself okay but i mean how how they help me find? I, i've never been a therapist so I'm, i really don't know yeah. Um, so basically it was just therapy brought new perspectives to things that, uh, you know, I thought somebody was saying, you know, something to me because they didn't like me or something. And my therapist would flip it around and be like, maybe they meant it this way, or here's how you can have a conversation with this person. Uh, the next time things come around, you know, it helped me uh, distance yeah. myself from my parents. Our situation, right? Sorry? Like our situation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. You know, I had the conversation with my therapist about you and I. And, you know, I was I was scared how you were going to uh, respond. You know, just because, again, we didn't talk for 12 years. And we only knew each other on a surface level. So that uh, this is a huge step for me. Like this podcast is a huge step for me. Uh, was just I don't want to say it wasn't a confrontation but it was a conversation that I needed to have oh, I'm absolutely happy that you have the opportunity to have it um yeah because I mean I've been I've been pretty sad in my life you know um and there's been times where somebody said hey what like you could talk to a therapist I've always I'm not gonna say I was against it right but I, I always perceived it as something that was not for me because I always thought, like I said, I do have a tight circle, a very tight circle, very close, close friends. And I always thought that I have my safe, what you call the safe space there. 
you know, but if you don't have that, then I can definitely understand the benefit. In it. And, and, you know, there's also two more benefits that I wanted to bring up too, because I forgot to mention them, but therapy helped me grieve a lot. It helped me get through passing of one of my close friends, Amy, that passed away two years ago. And then when Santi passed away, yeah, it hit me hard because he was like a brother to me, but I was able to, to do things for, to celebrate his life. Like, you know, uh, when their birthdays come around, I like to do those little Chinese lanterns and write something on it and release it into the sky kind of thing. And it it helps give an outside perspective for somebody who's not in that tight circle. You know, I, I can tell something to my good friend, Caleb, but you know, it would be a perspective that, you know, he knows of the situation versus my therapist who doesn't know my mom. She's never met my mom. And she can offer uh, a therapist perspective into that. When uh, you said after high school, when you said you went to New uh, 2018, you said you went to New Jersey and things weren't good for you. You always ask, like, I really want to understand what what is it that you're not happy about? Is it finances? Is it relationships? Is it like what are you talking, what, about, are you talking about why it drove me to, to where it was up there? So when I moved up there, it was right after I got done healing from my my surgery and everything. And um, things with my dad were just kind of, you know, we never had a really great relationship. And my mom basically put up this whole fake picture in front of me saying, you know, if you come up here, you can work and save money and be on your own and blah, 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 and be happy. When I moved up there, you know, it was like that for about a month. And then she started taking a lot of money from me. Uh, when I was working, so I couldn't put money aside. Um, going into uh, what led me to that post and that whole thing is uh, I was downstairs, I was talking to a friend and we were just, you know, just having a conversation. And my mom comes down and she starts screaming at me. Like, you know, I, I try to keep to myself. I don't try to start anything with anybody. I'm very to myself. Three straight hours she yelled at me without me saying a word saying that I wasn't shit that uh, the reason why I was single was because of XYZ and she berated me and degraded me to the lowest possible point that I could ever be uh, driven. And I think that's the first time I've openly said that outside of a therapy session. So it was a very rough, uh, berating from somebody who's supposed to be your mom and actually give a shit about you and you know she made me feel like I was nothing you know and it it drove me to the point I'm like you know maybe she's right maybe I'm not worth anything and that's what drove me to where I was at man you know um there's your mother's so I'm not really close to my mother right Uh, her and my father split when I was five my father raised me by himself I'm not gonna I don't want to sit here and say my mother abandoned me but her and my father separated and she was not much in my life after that. Right. There were a couple of few times. <clears throat> I remember, uh, I remember comes to my high school graduation. I remember us going to like a, she threw like a little party for me at the beach, but just very close, like her family and um, my girlfriend at the time. And I remember uh, I left that breaking out crying. <laughs> she like, uh, she threatened, she, 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 she threatened to like, 
I don't want to say kill me, but it was uh, she th- she put she threatened violence on me. That eighteen year old or seventeen year old kid who just uh, was looking for his mother to be proud of him because uh, graduated high school. It's not much of an achievement, but it is what it is, right? And uh, it I don't think parents necessarily understand the damage they do to their children, <clears throat> right? Because words hurt, man. And uh, from both perspectives, right? As a child, I mean, each understanding your parents are. They're very human, very imperfectly human. But then also as a parent, you should understand that your children are very fragile, right? And as a when if anybody else insulted me, if anybody else said the same things to me, I mean, I've had, threat, I've had violence threatened on me many times as a kid, right? I mean, I was young, and at that, at that point in my life, at that point in my life, I think I'd already had a, everything I'd, I'd already had guns pulled me the first time, right? I mean, just being a young kid, just doing stupid things around stupid people. But as a hearing from your mother hearing from your father that's it's different you know what i mean because that's the person receive is the person supposed to take care of you love you and uh and nurture you and so when it doesn't happen it's not only is it the same pain but it's also a betrayal of trust of trust like intrinsic trust that you're born with almost you know what i mean your own like i'm sure i'm sure i mean i can't i don't want to speak for you man but i'm sure that you want a good relationship with your mother right there's something that still calls you to her right um just it's, it's natural i'm not saying that's the way you should go i'm not saying that's the way you should not go but there's something there's something natural that, that pulls you to it because every young man young woman they want that relationship with their father their mother and it's a responsibility it's a responsibility to be a parent and yeah. something that holds great power that if you do have a young child that you should cherish and spread very lightly and be right. careful what you're absolutely and, and you know deep down uh, I would love for a better relationship with her, I guess. But being 30 years old and it being a pattern since I was very young and she hasn't changed at all. Um, she's gone from house to house, from relationship to relationship. It's just kind of one of those things where at what point do you stop giving somebody chances? You know, and every chance that she was given, you know, I, I don't. I don't wish ill on my mom and I, I don't want her to go away, but it's just kind of one of those things where I keep her further than arm's distance. You know, I don't want a relationship with her anymore. I, I just want to be left alone. And I know the day that I have kids, I know how not to treat them because of how I was treated. I mean, uh, I'm not one to be as vulnerable as you are. Cause I'm sorry for that. But no, no, will, don't apologize, man. Yeah, but I will say that uh, I've uh, probably had every thought that you've had uh, in regards to myself. But, <clears throat> hey, man, uh, it's difficult. I for some reason, I, I do remember, because, you know, we've been Facebook friends for a long time, right? And I, I, I sporadically go in there. I remember seeing you. I remember, I remember we was in New Jersey. I remember that post. I remember, I remember, I remember thinking that that will be difficult because, in my opinion, in my opinion, it seemed like you were running. And running away, it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't really work. I mean, there's absolutely, there's absolute moments where you need to get away from something, right? But when you're going to New Jersey, seeking a better life, I don't, I don't think New Jersey would made a better life for you, you know? 100%. I remember saying that, I also remember, uh, wasn't there some type of like love interest that you had? Like, not up in like, not in New Jersey, no. <clears throat> no, but, but down here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, in my in my opinion, I I've never thought I've never thought more thinking that you're getting away from that, right? And um, yeah, running and it's difficult, man. So that's, that's what we want to do, but it doesn't and help. You know, it's funny that I've never really openly saw that I was running away from from Florida until uh, I guess I had my first therapy session up there. Um, when I first went to that therapist up there, I just remember two straight sessions. I couldn't look her in the face and I was doing nothing but crying. I just was so upset because this was after that conversation that I had with my mom, you know, just things. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what to do anymore. And before I moved back down to Florida, um, I remember saying to the therapist, you know, when I left Florida, it was because my mom was always somebody to run from her problems. And I felt like that was what I was doing is not addressing whatever demons I had down here in Florida. When I came back, I saw all the people who I thought were like my good friends. I saw exactly who they were. And that in therapy helped me see that. It helped me see that there were so many unhealthy parts of myself that I left down here. And I never realized they were unhealthy until I came back. So fast forward to now, I don't regret going to New Jersey. I just regret I let my mom get me to the point of where I, what I got to. Because that person then is a completely different person now. I would never let that happen ever again. Yeah. And I guess that, that is the benefit to it, right? That is the benefit to suffering, right? Is that you learn from it, you're stronger at the end of the day from it. Because the world is full of suffering and it's, it's not going it's not going away in this world right and um i think i, I think you being a, a person who has a podcast some type of influence right i think you would you would hope that your podcast could change the world and change the way people see mental health and suicide, right but in the end <clears throat> it'll probably be futile right i mean we we, we can't fix things i mean like we're, we're so small and the, the grand scheme things we're so small right even if you even if you reach every single person in the world, which would be impossible, how many people will listen? You know what I mean? Because legitimately just do not care. And you, know, you uh you made a comment um before about uh you not being able to to be vulnerable, and you appreciated what I said because it was what was on your mind. That's one of the biggest reasons I do what I do because I have met probably over 50 something people or I've talked to over 50 something people about this mental health journey, about this podcast. Uh, mostly guys that'll reach out to me like, Hey man, like I know I don't post a lot. I know we don't talk. And I just wanted to say, I appreciate what you put out there because it's what I'm going through. And you know, you being somebody that I was never close to, but now we can have this conversation you just making that comment just makes this podcast that much more worth it, man. Cause obviously when I do these podcasts, I don't expect you to, to be an open book. I don't expect you to tell me every detail of your life, but just being willing to listen and uh, I guess respond in a way that makes you feel comfortable is why I do this. Absolutely. And also your audience, uh, they give us somebody to relate to, right? Something about these situations so that they feel that they're not alone. And, um, there's definitely a benefit in that. And there's definitely a benefit in you opening yourself up and then showing your success story, right? How you overcame the what could have been a potential tragedy. Yeah. Um, 
So I guess being at the the age we are at now, um, how important do you feel your Mm -hmm. social status is? Do you prefer having uh, many friends or do you uh, prefer having that small circle circle of people you know you can count on? Kind of going back to our last conversation about the the tight circle. Um, I try to be friendly with every person that I can be, right? I mean, absolutely. I definitely think there's benefits to both. But I definitely keep my smart, my small circle of people I open up to, right? But I definitely want to be peaceful. I want to be peaceable. I want to be, uh, <clears throat> what, what, as long as I know that I'm doing the right thing, right? And that I know that I'm friendly, that I know I'm honest, that I know that I'm true to, to, to my purposes, that if people don't like me after that, it doesn't really matter, right? <clears throat> the, my social status is, as far as like with that being a title, it doesn't really mean anything to me. I, I have to stay true to what, to what I know and to what my goals are. And in my mind, that is very, very solidified. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> I think uh, some people, they do end up in a, in a bad way because their purposes are not solidified in themselves. You know what I mean? They don't know what they're looking for. They're, they're lost and they're kind of going every single way. And in the moment, anybody gives them any type of attention or affirmation, then they think, I mean, I should go that way. Right. And uh, I think that's difficult. And I, that, that's why I'm grateful. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I'm grateful for what I've learned and what I've done because I know who I am and I know what I want. And I always feel, you know, that finding that identity within ourselves is is always super important. And, uh, you know, seeing a couple of the people that we graduated with, you know, I, I try to keep tabs on, you know, a couple of people just because, I remember them from our graduation class or, you know, I thought they were cool and, you know, whatever, you know, obviously you had those really popular kids that, you know, played football, cheerleaders, you know, all that stuff. Um, And I go to their Facebook sometimes and it's just like that person hasn't changed since we graduated. They just kind of like that social status is still something very uh, high in their priority list. And just kind of like they don't have an identity. It's just, their identity is with the giant circle of people that they they've been hanging around with since since we graduated. You know what I mean? I'm curious. Where do you classify me at in high school? So, honestly, uh, you know, again, we knew each other on that social level, but I our social level, uh, surface level. So, I guess I kind of always grouped you in with like the people that everybody knew. Like everybody knows Lee. Everybody knows Cody. You know, you just. Uh, everybody in the school knew who you were. So I guess not really knowing you beyond like having the classes that we had together. I'm not really sure for, I probably I guess one of the popular kids, I don't know. Like I said, I didn't really know you beyond having those classes. So, you know, that's definitely fair, man. Um, uh, I'll look back at that time of life. Cause uh, I do, I do think everybody knew who I was. Right. I mean, cause sports, whatever, um, whatever, but even then, I had a very, very small circle, man. Like, I I, could, I wasn't the type of guy at the parties. I had very few friends, right? And we did just stupid things together. <laughs> like, I, uh, and, um, but it's, it's just, to me, it's just interesting to hear the, uh, another person's perspective, an outside perspective, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, just, it, it, it's, odd, it's odd being here today, right? I mean, to think that uh, 12 years later, I'd be talking to you on your podcast is uh, pretty <laughs> right. So it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, like I said, it, it's crazy when some of the people that 
you go to school with, you thought you'd never hear from ever again. And, you know, some of those people had an impact on you and some didn't, you know, uh, sorry, with that being said, it's like, because like I said, man, your perception of me, I won't say it's wrong, but it was different than what I thought it was. Right. That I was like the other person. I thought you were a good guy. Right. And that's why I have checked up on you. Um, since then and with that being said if somebody is like feeling suicidal is feeling down you really never know who cares right because i can't imagine what you told me that you imagine that i would care right so you never know who cares about you never know but and if people get busy man people get distracted and you know do i think it's everybody's job to check up on you no i don't right but i do care right and i'm always here for you if you need to talk Absolutely, you know what I mean? But the moments where you feel that you're just so low, so down, you feel nobody would miss me. That's absolutely not true. I appreciate that, man. Really, I do. Thank you for yeah. uh, thank you for saying that, man. Um, when you look at all that you've accomplished in life, you know, whether that's uh, kickboxing or being a father um, and doing what you do for work, do you feel that success is ultimately what you make of it? And this is kind of piggybacking off of that social norm expectation conversation we had. It's weird, man, because, um, oh, man, I don't I, uh, something I'm grateful for is, um, probably about four years ago, um, I would just say that all my, a lot of my financial worries went away, right? I ended up, uh, in the, ended up very well economically. And I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful for that, for the purpose of the fact that I understand now that money doesn't bring happiness in any way, shape, or form, right? I mean, before that, I, I wouldn't, like I said, I'm very poor growing up, right? But as I started working, I mean, I started, you know, getting getting well, my own, and I was still chasing money. I was chasing money, and then a certain point came where I ended up uh, coming into a lot, and the only reason I'm grateful for that is because I thought that money would bring me happiness. That's why I chased it, right? That's why, I mean... That's why I was going for it. But when I finally got it, when I finally got it, I realized that I could buy, I bought the, bought the, thing, I bought the things I wanted. I bought the things I wanted, right? Like my little little childhood stupid things that you that you would say, I never had this, but then you have it. And then I realized that, wow, well, hey, I'm still just as sad. Just, <laughs> it doesn't matter. And, and, and money does not bring it in any way, shape, or form. And so that's something I'm grateful for. If you don't mind me asking, man, I'm sorry. What was the original question? <laughs> it was just, uh, do you do you feel that success is ultimately what you make of it? Oh yeah. So what I want to say to that is, uh, yeah, I would I would not classify myself as successful now uh, by any means, right? Um, I I would not think I'm successful until the day that I die, and uh, hopefully I die in a true and honorable place, right? I mean that, that's what success is to me to live my entire life, uh, trying to fulfill my purpose because I know I never will. You know what I mean? Um, I'll always I will always chase what I believe to be good. And I know I'll never be that, but I'll always try to be there. But if I die pursuing that faithfully, then that will be successful for me. So I guess to answer your question, yeah, it is we make it because I don't think I'll ever achieve it. Right. I love, I love that answer. Um, mainly because, you know, my, my last, uh, my last podcast was kind of talking about what society thinks that success is, you know, like you said, money doesn't matter. Social status doesn't matter. And, you know, there's to me, I a hundred percent agree with you. I don't think there's a blueprint 
for success. I don't think there is an ideal uh, thing of success either. It's just kind of like what makes you happy and what brings you inner peace. And, you know, chasing happiness, like you said, just doesn't, it's not fulfilling to constantly chase happiness because you'll never be happy. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And, uh, yeah, so people get very upset. I mean, I, I, I keep trying to think about who your audience is, right? They're probably people who suffer from mental health, right? And I'm trying to think about what will make them happy. And I can say, like, it's not that, right? I mean, if you, if you, give, if you give a depressed person a million dollars, I guarantee they're still depressed, right? Mm-hmm. I also guarantee that they think they had a million dollars, they'd be okay, right? But it doesn't bring it. It does not bring it. And, um, yeah, I was, I was leaving with that because... I, I don't want to, I don't want to speak for other people. Right. <laughs> but, you know, and it's to talk to that point as well, you know, you see these celebrities who have been famous for, for decades that, you know, they're, they're very well off financially. And then all of a sudden one day they're gone, you know, look at, look at Aaron Carter. You know, we, we grew up around the same time, you know, we grew up in the nineties and we know the impact he had on nineties kids. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't like Led Zeppelin where he would last for decades, but he had his place in success, just like just like the Beatles did, you know, whoever it is. And then you bring them to uh, to now. And it's just like if you ask them what they would change about their life, it's probably because, you know, being in that spotlight of fame or having that much money and not being happy, even even though they have all that money available to them. Yeah. And even more prevalent than just like, you know, uh dying or just um some commit suicide or whatever i mean it's it's very very uh drug abuse is very prominent in, in a lot of the industry right and why is that well it's obvious because they're, they're chasing something right they're chasing that high they're chasing that happiness and they're not finding it in their money they're not finding it in their fame right so i would i would just i would say that to a young man like hey like or a young woman before before you chase that look at the people who have it right there's chasing right and so it's, 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 it's never ending and that it, or time never ending that's just not where you find it yeah like you know it's it's always you always appreciate those artists or you know who, celebrities that you know are just starting off and you see how humble they are because of where they came from and you know they still don't have a lot because they're still building their brand but like you said when they're given all that money and they're still not happy with all that money it's just like they keep chasing they keep chasing and because they didn't have that fulfillment they didn't feel the happiness that they thought they were going to feel yeah i'm sorry my 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 voice is going a little bit but but, uh it's it's very it's very unfortunate do uh do many of your audience they reach out to you as far as like all the time yeah so like i'm feel like me i don't want to obviously not name drop anybody, but like, is that, is that the problem they have is chasing success or chasing value or validation or. I think validation is a really big one, you know, just kind of like chasing that self-worth, you know, uh, chasing that, that thing of value in their life or, you know, just trying to cope with loss or things like that. That's, that's a big part of the audience that listens. How much of that do you think is, uh, literally the reality right because obviously if somebody is in a just miserable situation you know, like 
uh, if you think about the situation in Fort Myers right now, people lose their homes, right? It's like, okay, I understand you're sad. You should be sad. You just lost everything, right? But you can overcome it. But how much of that do you think it's outside and how much do you think it's inside? Like intrinsic in them as far I as chasing? It, I think a lot of it's inside. You know, I, I feel that the things that are going on outside are things that you can change. You know, like you said, when you fractured your leg, you're like, yeah, this sucks, but you're moving forward. And I feel like if I'm, if I'm speaking for myself and not for the audience right now, I would say, you know, this situation that whatever I'm in, it sucks, but I know I can, I know I can improve the situation. I know I can change the situation. And that's one of the biggest things about mental health struggles. And, you know, people with like disorders, you know, whatever it is like BPD or, or, uh, you know, whatever it is. Um, I know those people struggle a little bit more pushing forward because that, you know, it's just kind of one of those chemical imbalances that they can't help. Um, and then you have somebody who might struggle with depression and they just kind of, they eat up the thoughts of like, I'm not good enough or, you know, I'm not doing enough in this life and, you know, whatever thoughts that they're going through. But I definitely feel it's more internal than it is external, you know, because you could always improve the situation you're in no matter what. Yeah. And it's sad that you keep mentioning suicide, right? And obviously, I mean, you know, neither one of us have, have done it, right? But I would imagine that for somebody to be in that place, to, to actually take their own life, I mean, that's very difficult. And obviously, you should stir anybody away from that. Um, I would say the way to do it is, like I said, if you, if you, don't, you, you, don't, you don't live for yourself, right? So instead of right, giving your life to the grave, just literally give your life to a greater purpose, right? I mean, either way, it's gone, right? Either way, it's not it's not yours anymore. So at least give it to something, something positive, because there's no coming back from death. That's right. uh, earlier. Yeah, and, and you know the the biggest thing about uh, that I that I try to talk about with people that are feeling suicidal, because you know I was working uh, with a crisis hotline, and you know the the biggest thing about, uh, you know, uh, without talking about any of the conversations I had is de-escalating that person, you know, and I know in, in your line of work, you have to de-escalate a situation before anything else. Right. And when it comes to somebody that's suicidal, you got to de-escalate the situation. You got to, you know, build that, uh, uh, what's the word, um, got to build that relationship. Yeah. Report. Right. And, uh, just kind of let them know that they're not alone, man. You know, like a lot of people don't know what it means to be there for other people or are, aren't willing to put themselves in the situation of being there for other people. So when, when it comes to like suicidal people, man, like the, there's always that misconception, like, Oh, well, they just don't want to deal with what they're dealing with anymore. So that's why they're feeling suicidal. It's like, it's so much more than that, man. Like I've seen people who, were suicidal and meant to do it. And then I've seen people who were saying that they felt suicidal and just needed somebody to listen, man. That's when I, when I almost took my life, I just wanted somebody to hear me. I wanted somebody to see me, you know, and I felt invisible. I felt like nothing that I was doing mattered, you know, and there are those people in this community, unfortunately, that, put a, a bad stigma around people that feel suicidal and 
just kind of do it without wanting to help themselves. You know, I was in a situation with somebody in the group who was, you know, posting some pretty scary stuff. And I called the crisis hotline and had, um, had them do a wellness check, had somebody sent to their house to do a wellness check to make sure they're okay. And I'm like, you know, if you're not responding to messages, which, you know, you're in that state of mind where you don't want to speak, I get it. But, you know, you got to be willing to help yourself too. You can't just, uh, I guess, uh, cry in the spilt milk uh, to be, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know? Yeah. And um, I guess with that being said, like, I'm just curious how much, like, it's, it's, it's something's very sensitive, right? So if you as a if you're working on a hotline, it's, it's very sensitive, right? But very, mm-hmm. you can't give in to everything, right? I, I I imagine you can't. You're talking to them, you can't say, oh yeah, well that is bad. That is, you can't keep going down that negative path with them. Yeah. Right? So right. basically, they have yeah. Basically, they have like that layout of how you're supposed to have conversations. Like uh, you can humanize some uh, of your responses, but the the formula and the format that they have in those conversations is just kind of like if it gets to the point of where you need to get like uh, law enforcement involved and that has happened. Um, But yeah, they, they have, they don't really let you humanize too much. Thank you froze. There we go. Um, They don't really let you humanize your responses too much. I was was curious about that. Yeah. Um, And I, and I kind of wish they did, but I get why they don't. Oh yeah, I mean because some people's humanizing is a lot worse than other people's humanizing. Absolutely, <laughs> right. Sometimes, sometimes I had a response one time where they're like, "Oh, this is just an automated response. You're just telling, you're just saying what they want you to say to me." And I asked the the supervisor at the time, like, you know, can I can I talk to them like a person? Because like if I'm trying to de-escalate somebody or I'm trying to help somebody i want them to know that there's somebody actually listening like somebody actually talking and they're like yeah you know you just keep it very short like don't like say too much of yourself into those responses because you know obviously you don't want to send that that person over more than they already are a liability yeah exactly um so i had one more question on here just kind of to wrap up this conversation um if there was one thing about how mental health is handled or perceived in society uh, that you could change? What What do you? Uh, what would it be? That's tough, man. Actually, uh, I didn't read that question prior to this. <laughs> but uh, well, there's one thing I could change. By the way, mental health is handled in society. I guess it goes both ways, man, because I think everything's balanced, right? So I, I, I want people to know, hey, like it's okay. It's okay to talk about it, right? But it's definitely not okay to do. Right. So, I mean, so the stigma comes along with it, but the opposite side of that is what you tell everybody, hey, it's, it's okay to want to kill, kill yourself because it's not, it's not okay to want to kill yourself. Right. But if you do have that problem, if you do have that problem, I mean, it's obviously very touchy and you should talk to somebody about it in and, and every way, shape, or form. I don't, I don't know how that's really handled. I'm sure you would know better than I, than, than I would. I mean, I do would understand if some people are like, oh, they're just doing it for attention. They're not actually going to do it. Right. I would just stay away from that. Because you don't know who's going to do it. You really don't know. Sometimes you see these pictures. Uh, I can tell you this. I had a friend about two years ago. I saw him probably about four days before. Four days before I saw him. I didn't blow him off or anything. But I was kind of in a rush or something in the neighborhood. Um, 
I said hello to him, right? But I was also trying to chase my son somewhere. I said, I said hello to him, uh, talked to him for about two minutes. And, you know, we walked off. He said, hey, like, we get together sometime, take care, right? Four days later, he ended up uh, ended up shooting and killing himself. And you, you never, you, you really, you really never know. Because I, I never would have expected that guy was very, he in a, in a secular sense, he was very successful. He had a very prominent job. He had a lot of money. He had a wife and a kid, beautiful family. And it's just, you, you, you really, you never know who would actually do it. Right. And with that also being said, what I, something I learned from this is, you know, that's four days prior, you know, naturally party, part of me, the narcissism, me kind of blame myself a little bit, right? Like, Hey, like I could have said something, right. If I just would have known, if I just would have known, I could have stopped him or I could have befriended him. Hey, like talk to him a little bit longer, invite him over, whatever. Right. But then, so I felt some intrinsic guilt in myself, but none of that even compares to what I imagine his wife and kids feel, right? Because they're closer to him. I'm very far removed from him. We're friends, but we're very far removed from being his wife and kids. You know what I mean? If they think that you're leaving the world and that if I blame myself, I would imagine his family blamed themselves. You know what I mean? And it's just another reason it's, 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 such, it's such a selfish thing. Right? Like it, it really is so selfish because, like I told you, man, um, I've, I've, I've definitely, I've definitely seen death, right? And it, it, it's, it's just raw. It's, right. it's very raw. Right? You would imagine uh, somebody you love finding you in that state. It, it's absolutely selfish if you were to do that to yourself. And I got it's, it's very touching, right? I try, not to, I try not to say something too bad about it because I'm not, I'm not trying to upset anybody, but. You should think about others before you think about yourself. You should think about the people you're leaving behind before you think about what, what you're leaving behind, right? Because it's, it's really not about you. You really should get past that this life is about you and your happiness. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what I would change. I'm, I'm, I'm not a professional. I'm not you. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not a, I don't have a mental podcast. I'm not uh, a hot, um, what, what, what do you call yourself? Like, right, it's a, like a crisis hotline counselor. About that right so i don't i don't want to give any bad ideas because i think that'd be overstepping but um i would hope that people who actually were committed to that i would hope that they the society would change the way that they felt open up to talk about it and get the help that they needed so they'll basically uh, more resources kind of yeah but like not more recently you can put all the resources in the world but first still afraid to talk about it still afraid to talk about it that's true all right so i mean um I don't necessarily know more, more more resource answer. I don't know that's not the answer, but I would um. If you're talking about society, I would hope that your friends and family would take care of you before. In my in my opinion, I would hope that your friends and family would take care of you before some other entity would, some other resource entity, whatever that may be, right? Provided by the government. I hope your friends and family take care of you first, and I guess that's what I would change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I definitely. I agree. You know, when it, when it comes to the conversation of, of suicide, it's, there's, there's always that, that conversation of, is it selfish? Is it not selfish? And I, I can, I can speak on both sides of it because I, I was on the verge of it. You know, I had a plan, I had the means to do it and everything, you know, I attempted when I was 14 and attempted again when I was in Jersey, you know, it's something that I didn't consider anybody else because I was in such a bad state of mind and just wanted the pain to stop i wanted to stop feeling the way that i was feeling and then 
Yeah. Well, with that being said, I mean, um, now I'm glad you didn't commit suicide, right? But um, it's also, as you said, about a person who has a child, right? Mm-hmm. I do think, I do this different situation, right? I mean, it, it's absolutely wrong and terrible in both senses. But if you have a child that you brought into this world that you are absolutely responsible for morally, legally, ethically, in every way, shape, and form, and they, for you to leave that child, I do think that's different. And I, I think I'm more, I, I don't know. But it's, no, it's a it's a very valid argument. Absolutely agree. And and that's why I was saying I, I can speak on both sides of it, because in, in certain situations, I feel if you're not trying to help yourself and you're not trying to look for that help for yourself or tell somebody that you need help. And I know coming from me, it was the hardest thing was looking for help for wanting help. Right. And then you look at what you were saying of being a parent and looking at it from that aspect of, you know, you have kids and, and this and that and everything else. And sometimes people just get to that point, man, where just nothing is worth it anymore. And obviously I'm not saying suicide's okay. I would never say that because it's not, but I, I think the, the conversation of it being selfish is it's a very, there's that weird line, I guess, yep. where, you can understand both sides of it where, you know, that person may have been going to therapy for years or uh, that person was doing all these outstanding things in their life. Like one of my heroes is Chester Bennington. You know, he was the lead singer for Lincoln park and, you know, he took his life in 2017, had a wife and kids and he always spoke about his mental health struggles and sometimes those demons just they win you know and and it's it's hard to come to that conclusion because you don't want to hear you know somebody took their life ever i i certainly hate hearing it and and i definitely agree with you when it comes to their wife and kids like you know you have other people to consider too so why not get the help that you deserve for yourself right but sometimes that help just doesn't help that's because i mean and I don't want to be a dead horse, man. <laughs> you talk about like the, the demons winning. I, I can tell you, I mean, it does not matter the state that I'm in. I, yeah. I'm not trying to offend anybody. It doesn't matter the state that I'm in. The, uh, none of my demons, right? None, none, none of my past, none of my regrets, none of my uh, insecurities or anything like that. If I really, even if I really want to express myself, none of that stronger than the love that I have for my family, right? And I guess the old, it's old quote, right? Love, love conquers all. Right, and uh, it really does. Um, I, I think I think your situation is a little bit different, right? I mean, I still wouldn't think it's okay, right? But you were in a situation where you thought you had nobody, right? Your own, your, your own mother you felt was against you, right? You don't have kids, you know what I mean? So your father wasn't running your life, so you probably felt very alone. I would imagine that that's the opposite, right? Of yeah. um, thinking gonna miss me, anything like that, right? I think that's two very different situations. Neither, neither, neither one is okay. I think, but I definitely think they need to be thought of and approached differently yeah no i definitely agree and like i said i don't i don't think your opinion is wrong at all you know like i said it, it's it's a debate that i've heard for for years you know it, it's a conversation i've had with people since i i got into the mental health community and you know your opinion is just as valid as anybody else's um i don't think your opinion's wrong i i just think that and I know you're open-minded to seeing both sides, obviously, as we, we just spoke on. So, 
you know, like I said, it's it's a hard, it's a very hard conversation to have with people. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. But so at the end but, of every podcast, uh, I like to to read a quote, um, you know, mental health related or just anything in general. Before I read that one, uh, did you want to say anything to our listeners before we wrap this one up? No, um, I would, I would think I would thank you for allowing me to be here. Right. If they listen to this far, I would thank them for listening. Um, I would, I would, I would say that. Okay, I can't say I can't say it's okay. Right. But I mean, at the end of the day, if anybody needs to actually reach out to somebody, if somebody really, really needs it, I mean, I'm sure you're here for them. Right. I'm sure they know you're here for them. My myself as well. Like, uh, I would, I would never want anybody to feel alone in this world. Right. And there's plenty of times where I felt alone for me. Um, I found. I found company in my God, right? My God, Bible, things like that, right? Um, I would, I would, I would hope that they they could find their way to overcome that, right? That that feeling loneliness. I would hope, and if other people are listening too, I would hope that you're there for those people who are going through that as well. Absolutely. And that I'll end it on that. Yeah, man. And like I said, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. You know, I think. Uh, this is one of the the best conversations beginning to end I've had on here uh, just because we dug into so much and I wasn't sure at first how it would go and I'm glad it went great. So again, I greatly appreciate you, man. Absolutely. my friend. Um, so for this quote, it comes from trusty scribe um, for all the storms you've weathered, all the heartbreaks you've suffered, all the physical and emotional scars you carry, all the setbacks, the bruises, the failures and defeats. These are the things that make you whole and complete. This is what makes you beautiful and unique. You are not alone. You are not alone. You are loved and you are golden. So again, thank you guys so much for listening. And Lee, thank you again for being an awesome guest. Um, for all my listeners, this podcast will drop on Tuesday. And uh, remember, be well and always be gentle with yourselves. Take care, guys.